Hey, Pepin. Yeah, what's up, Steve? I want to talk about space. Oh, like what about space? Like how big it is, you know, whether we're alone, you know, why we are here in space. Yes. Oh, well, I guess we'll need to talk. Y'all are probably very used to working in R R two, which is the coordinate system space. So what was that? It's again G. Well, there's there's a lot of space in math. We talk about what space we're looking at, right? So the one most people are probably familiar with is uh, R two, which is uh, the coordinate system. And we consider so, that a space. Is this like a geometrical kind of space? Uh, geometrical, yeah. I think topological is the more appropriate term. Is that like graphs? Yeah, yeah. Like, but that it, one in the the coordinate system graphs that we're used to, um, like a three dimensional coordination. Well, that's a different space. Right, you have R2 space, R3 space, R4 space, right? This is how we can calculate stuff in, in dimensions we can't even visualize. So these are conceptual spaces in a way, but they're describing actual spaces. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and you know, and you shrink it back down, you can describe spaces that you see, like two dimensions and whatnot. That was not what I was talking about. Oh. <laughs> That's way more interesting. So with Euclidean space and oh my god, with the Euclidides, Euclidides. <laughs> what's the uh, it's Meyer, not Myers Briggs. Uh, what's the space that they came up with with the special relativity? Einstein's. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Myers Briggs is the personality test, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking uh, Milwinski space or something like that. Finally, we talk about something management. I don't know many physics. Oh, anyway, so the topic today is space in all forms possible. Space bar, space balls, outer space. The spaces between these sentences. Wow. Wow. You just broke time. Ah, not again. So, I mean, the the main focus that I was thinking was something more along the lines of like outer space. Mm. Um, if the planets, other galaxies alien i mean to kick this off i mean space is fucking huge i mean you know we think just about you know the space from here to the sun and that's enormous enormous then we start thinking about the space from here to another galaxy that's enormous then we think about the space that contains our galaxy that that's you know we can't even fathom that are, are any of these distances even fathomable in given our context? No, no, no. But we have no nothing, no context to compare it to. Yeah. Then we see galaxies, you know, rolling the galaxies, of winning the lottery, super galaxies. I feel like we just have the same conversation every week. <laughs> so there's this space is just massive and, you know, I don't even think we can comprehend it. Right, right. And of course, space goes little as well to the Planck scale and we can't even comprehend that either. So what can we comprehend? About space? About anything. Well, plenty. Well, we can, we can come to some conclusions. Like, 
like if space is is expanding and infinite then is that not to say that all uh like like there's nothing that wouldn't be possible within it so is this the kind of claim that if space is infinite then any possible kind of uh thing within that space is there like uh, yeah i mean like we can take it to, to even something as simple as aliens like we can't be the only life like out there if th- there has to be other forms of life if space is infinite and the argument would be it'd be like so, so we're all familiar with the whole uh monkeys writing randomly on a keyboard eventually producing shakespeare is that the basic argument that it's a probabilistic argument? Um, yes. Okay. No, numbers, I think that you could say that if something, if, so infinity is, in, is like incomprehensible. Mm. So because of that, like all possible, all possible outcomes are possible. Right, right. And all the impossible outcomes are possible in infinity. And G, would you agree with this statement? Um, I'm having a hard time coming up with anything to say against it. Maybe we should get a little more laser focused than infinity because it's a little, probably a little too broad to really make any claims against. Mm, It's important to talk about with space though. Well, so to take this to a level of, let's say there is infinite space, right? And we're within that space. We could just be a part of that space, which is comprehensible. You know, are things comprehensible? Yes, but because in this random clutter of shit that's not comprehensible, there's bound to be a part which is comprehensible, and we're that small little part of infinity. That's deep. <laughs> I guess so. That's, that's wormhole deep. <laughs> now, it, does anybody else find space words dirty? Space words? Space words like black hole. Like, mm. That's gotta be, that's about a bot. I mean, there are things that are defined about space, right, that we could say won't happen. I'm, I'm thinking about the infinity again, I'm sorry. Uh, like, what, what, what do you mean exactly? Right, like, there, uh, we've developed, uh, like, we were talking about theory of relativity earlier, um, and we know uh, celestial bodies are gonna move and how they're going to move and and according to what laws um and we don't suppose that to to change so the rules that govern physics are universal yes but it would only take one instance in all of infinity of something different happening in in order to completely turn those laws on their head Mm, yeah but they'd modify it they'd say here's a special case where it doesn't and then other than that keeps doing it wow so you're saying it's unbreakable Uh, i mean science i think that's like the what's special about science is that it's always like yeah this this can change and when it does we'll say we'll find out for what reason but we'll still be able to say you know for the most part it doesn't yeah the sole thing that's annoying about uh quantum mechanics for instance is there's actually some probability that like anything can happen, right? Mm. So there's an example of imagine a statue kind of like waving high, you know, high to you, right? A, a statue's waving. How yeah. much LSD did you take? Uh, two taps, but you know, it's it's got an arm up in the air, and so it seems improbable, you know, impractical that the statue would arm would suddenly just go down like that, you know, just kind of wave down. 
but there's actually some probability, you know, quantum mechanically that could happen. And there's actually a guy who calculated this out. And Nerd. it's, it's <laughs> yes, yes. And it's it's like it's I think it's greater than the length of the universe for it to occur, but there's still some probability of it happening. Yeah, I've I've heard like the same notion, like running through running into a wall, right? There's a slim possibility that you'll run right through it, right? But it's never ever gonna happen, but prob probabilistically it could happen. You'll probably just run up it and flip. Mm. <laughs> yeah, do a, do a sick wall flip followed by a gainer. Yeah. Use what's, free will. what's a gainer anyway? It's it's almost like um standing corkscrew. You're like doing like Whoa. uh like you're like flipping at like a forty five degree angle through the air. Oh, it's not like a full front flip. It's like a yeah. Oh. You're spinning horizontally and vertically at the same time. That's probably pretty easy to do in space. Yeah, yeah. You might be slow. Hmm. It might be hard to actually like get it started. Well, I don't, I don't know because there's nothing you have to push some. You know, dancing and kind of that kind of stuff is based off pushing off stuff. And mm. in space, it's kind of hard to push off something without going in that direction. Can't you push off the beat? Push off the beat? Just push off the beat. Are we talking like musically? Yeah. Hmm, yeah, I guess mm. you could. I was actually talking about like growing a garden. Yes, yes. I mean, can can I mean, you can probably change your trajectory a little bit, right? Mm. Like if you punch yourself in the side what would an alien look like um like a human but with a really big head maybe less fingers or something You're like the thing on top of your neck yeah no no and at the end of your penis gotta... <laughs> so, so I, I think your question about aliens is there's one question about whether aliens exist right and there could be aliens plenty of aliens exist even in the galaxy but the other question is, if they exist, are they intelligent? So we might find that there's alien life, say, on, let's say, a uh, uh, solar system close to us. But that alien life may be... Primitive. Primitive. Never... A bacteria. Yeah, bacteria. And it could have no means of actually communicating with us. And, you know, most alien life, we would assume, would be more primitive. You know, we're probably mm -hmm. one of the few exceptions of alien life which is not primitive so the question isn't or maybe a better question is uh not whether alien life exists or not because uh that i would guess a high probability on simple mm -hmm. organisms um but probability of sentient life uh little throwback stuff that we consider to have consciousness yeah, oh, yeah. life life would that be considered of you know be able to communicate with us in a rational kind of way mm. do aliens believe in god uh, some probably. Wow. I mean, it's kind of a logical wow. thing, right? But do they follow the Bible? No. Heathens. These are heathen aliens. Completely, completely. So. Do aliens go to hell? Hell doesn't exist. You just blew my mind. <laughs> what? How did you, how did you, did you go there? Well, I can't go to a non-existent place. Yeah, you can. Well, if the universe is infinite, anything's possible. Except for hell and heaven and God. What if What if those are more abstract concepts? Uh, go on. So, like, so what if it's not, you know, a, a literal place of burning fire, but rather like a, a 
Like it burns when you pee. Yeah, like what if that's it's like... hell? That's pretty much hell. Well, so is the argument there that we have these abstractions of, say, suffering or extreme suffering? We know what that is, right? And we take that and we just put it in this kind of ultimate demon concept or, you know, amalgamation just called suffering or total suffering or just annihilation or something like that. I mean, okay, so if a god exists, then there is no feasible way that we could ever conceptualize it. Whatever, whatever it is. So when I think of God, I don't think of it like a a physical being, a man with a white beard looking from the clouds. I think of it more along the lines of uh, like something that there is no possible way that I could ever conceive that has some sort of bearing over our life. Maybe not on the minute details section, but on the way of originally setting the ball in motion and there's there's no way that we could ever conceptualize it so does it even matter if if it comes down to that that that's an absolutely great question yeah i, I mean I, I think some some uh older thinkers thought of like god as like the clockmaker, right yeah the founding fathers i think that did they think of them like yeah that? they're all uh deists I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like the God, this in, in this instance, in my version of God, it's more like a a spiritual thing where it's like, like God, you just add another O to it. It's, it's good and evil. Like there's, there's no, there's, there's right. And there's wrong. There's things that, that feel right. And there's things that feel wrong. And in that sense, God lives and God is exists everywhere because you know whether things are right or wrong. So mm. this is very complex to dissect here. Because are you talking about reality? Is there something in reality which is good? Or are we talking about within our own brains? And this is something we're feeling, you know, psychologically. Both. I'm talking about in your in your heart, you feel that there are things that are are right and there are things that are wrong and they feel that they feel right or wrong. So that can come down to chemical reactions Mm. like anything can be broken down to. But outside of that, there's a greater picture that we have such a small, tiny little bit of. But even if we're a one thousandth of a percent of the the driving force that brings something either to the positive or to the negative compounded it matters so maybe we don't matter as an individual but conceptually all of us matter because there is a driving force forward because we're conscious beings and we have the choice Mm. gee what do you say to that Mm, to me i would say like right and wrong or good and evil is just a mix of um social and biological conditioning yeah and i I think we have three different kind of views on this because my view is that concepts are non-existent that they don't exist in reality now we can talk about them in their relation to reality like we talk about a map and the map has some relation to, say, the layouts of the streets and, you know, what's the topological kind of, you know, land. But the map is not the reality. This map, map is not the place. In some way, I don't think concepts exist in reality. The, the map is not the place, but it represents the place. And if you want to get from point A to point B, 
and you use the map, you can do so. And the place does exist. And the map does exist. And when you work with them together, then you can achieve something in both planes. Mm. And in this metaphor, what would be the map in, say, connection to God or goodness or uh, what you're talking about? Uh, your, your heart, like the like spiritual guidance, like being being connected with both yourself and with the universe as a whole. How do you um, guarantee that that's not a social or biological influence and that it is uh, some sort of external force um, acting on your, uh, well, I guess what we would call this intuition? I'm sure that there are there there are biological and um, socio like social things that play into it. Um, like uh, like biologically, you can have somebody who is mentally deficient in some way and it prevents them from being able to connect in that way and that obviously plays a huge role in their ability to to drive towards doing positive things versus doing negative things on whatever this this scale is this grander scale is that we might not even be able to conceptualize so the grander scale i mean let me tell me if I'm getting this right. So someone who is say mentally deficient would be unable to distinguish what is say good or bad on this grand scale because they wouldn't have the cognitive faculties to do so. Right. And, but we have that faculty, you know, that, that brain, the brains to do that. So we're able to distinguish between good and bad on this, you know, in this, um, what do you call it? Like an essence or metaphysical, a metaphysical essence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And how do we contact or how do we interact with this metaphysical essence? Uh, we don't. We let in and interact with us. So, so this is what I'm saying is that, um, you know, you, you, yeah, there, there could be this metaphysical interaction, right? Um, but. Uh, how do you, how can you ensure that it's a metaphysical interaction and it's not coming from somewhere within? So, it is coming from within. Well, well, so to give an example, let's say imagine someone is having a vision. I mean, this is probably not what you're talking about, right? But this is a similar idea. Imagine someone's having a vision of, say, Jesus, you know, and Jesus tells them to do something. Now, someone who is a highly Christian might say that vision is correct because Jesus, you know, came down and, you know, told him to do X, Y, Z. But, you know, someone who might be skeptical might say, well, how do we know that vision is not, say, from a crazy LSD trip or, say, from a lack of sleep or psychosis or something like that? So what are the ways of distinguishing between kind of those two things? You should always be skeptical of everything, mm. especially when it comes to something spiritual. So if if I see Jesus and he tells me to do something, I'm going to be skeptical of that. And I'm going to say I'm going I'm going to ask my myself and I'm going to um, if if I have any doubt that this is like a, a true experience. And obviously I would if I had that experience, I would say, OK, so there must be something mentally wrong with me while this may be something that that really is positive and And the message might have been something I should follow. 
the the method that I got it in is screwed up and it's not it, it's in it's in in unnatural in general and at that point I, I would seek medical assistance um, on the you know hallucinations but I might still be able to take you know what the hallucinations gave me as information to heart and be able to to work that into my life in some way and you talked about a method there like a method of kind of so is that method consistent like what would be the method exactly of you know determining if these hallucinations like need medical treatment or if you're actually kind of like say divine uh, i don't know just cat scan like whatever um i would assume that i i, I would assume that it's not you know a divine inter- intervention in some way where like oh god contacted me directly like um like uh, that that seems ridiculous but that doesn't mean that there's not good that you can pull from it at the same time mm. but you know it's kind of saying you could pull good from anything absolutely you know, which and you should try to like that doesn't quite relate to the concept though I mean, it's not necessarily a proof or this proof of, say, there being a metaphysical essence. Because there is no proof. It's mm-hmm. not about proof. The, 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 so science cares about proof and facts and driving forward with things that can be proven and you can use math on it, things like that. But there are things in this world that math does not apply to. Yeah, I, I agree with that. See, he's a, a math but, major, but so that I, means I'm right. Oh, I mean, I you know, I love the arts. Um, but, you know, in, in matters of statements, right, it's it's almost like um, now it just comes down to like, well, this could be or it couldn't be. And there's no almost nowhere to go, I feel. Gideon, you, you said you took some philosophy courses, right? Yeah. And you're aware of like, say, Platonism versus Aristotelianism? Uh, I mean, I'm aware of them both, Plato and Aristotle. I'm aware they exist. I'm not super. I mean, I, I mean, I know like some parts. What 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 parts are you specifically referring to? So this kind of kind of sounds similar to uh, Plato said there was a world of perfect forms mm-hmm. that was you know divine and kind of uh, out there, and the philosopher was a person who had the ability to reach into or kind of see this perfect world of forms and to draw information from that world. And he went in with, I think, a bit extreme, in my opinion, where he said there's a perfect chair and a perfect bottle of hot sauce or a perfect X, Y, and Z. Uh, but the basic idea is, you know, we never see a perfect circle in reality, but we have the idea of a perfect circle in our head. So how do we get that idea from our head? And Plato said, we get the idea because we, before we're born, we see this kind of perfect circle in our heads. You know, we're, we can see it in this kind of perfect realm. And he, I think he argued that's where kind of God was because God is perfect. So is, does that relate to this at all? Not really. Um, it's uh, it, it's definitely an interesting, you know, uh, thought experiment. Um, and I'm pretty familiar with that as far as as Plato goes. Um, but it's, it's not on the same plane as what I'm talking about. So how is it different exactly? Like, to just tease out some of the differences for, for clarity. Um, I don't, perfection doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It, it's not about, like, trying to do, trying to be perfect. 
It's just about trying to, to be better than you are and to continue to do so. So, um, you, like everybody's going to make mistakes and everybody, but it's, it's about looking back at that and being able to be critical with yourself and being able to ask questions and to be curious. Like that's your responsibility is to, to be curious and to continue to, to want to understand that which we'll never understand. So the conscious responsibility is a key aspect to it. So if someone, you know, be able, because the ability to reflect is kind of like a conscious kind of thing. And, you know, you have to kind of use reason a bit to kind of figure out what's this a bad thing? What's this a good thing? So that's, that's an aspect of it. Yeah, it's definitely an aspect of it. I mean, uh, it, it, it's, it's fairly common, like, especially in the, in the Jewish religion to, continue to question and to continue to like it's it's not about full like full-on belief in god it's about digging into what do i believe and Mm. to 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 want to do positive things and keep questioning keep questioning what do i believe what is the truth i mean that's something that's um for me personally what was very appealing about mathematics is um there's so much in philosophy where you know lines are blurred etc um and math is sort of a bearing in reality that's something i know is very very grounded um something that's something that's uh you know i i uh when you're doing math, right, you want to be hypercritical of your work. You want to scrutinize it to, to, um, as much as you possibly can. Um, whereas, uh, sometimes with like philosophical questions like this, um, metaphysics, forms, God, that sort of, you, you can almost like run in circles and there's, there's no sort of, um, I want to say logical uh, axioms to follow, right? There, there isn't really like you can. Sometimes you just can't poke holes in it, right? You can't just say, "Oh, th- this is where it went wrong." Um, but then you know, like the questioning what you believe in and stuff. I think that's like human nature, right? You all, all want to know why we're here. And I mean, th- this is the thing that gets me about, uh, say, Descartes. And this question of, uh, you know, could you be a demon, not a demon in a jar, a brain in a jar, or could there be a demon tricking you at every instant? Well, you have to ask, you know, could that demon have a demon who's tricking him? And could that demon who's tricking him have the demon who's tricking him? And so on and so forth, like infinite regression. It's almost nihilistic. Mm. And that's where I think a lot of these questions get, you know, kind of go haywire. You know, question of God. If God has created the universe, then what created God? You know, and then there's a Hindu statement which is i think it's something similar to uh the world is held on the back of a llama i'm gonna butcher this and that llama is on the back of a giraffe and that giraffe is on the back of a turtle and that's what holds up the the, the world and the question is well, okay what's below the turtle no it's turtles all the way down yeah i've heard this one so it, it sounds like an answer but it's not quite and with these kind of questions you can kind of go in so many different directions and so many different kind of ways and not arrive at a satisfying conclusion or not as not satisfying as say a mathematical proof or say uh, E equals MC squared, which is 
you know, proven math, not mathematically, empirically through uh, science. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely not any ground to stand on. There's nothing like there's no no facts that you can stand your feet on. But it, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't still think about it and you shouldn't still ask questions. Of course not. I mean, that, that's why art is so beautiful. Now, would you say that that makes you feel vulnerable or not vulnerable? Both, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very confusing answer. <laughs> well, I think that's the beautiful part it, of being it, alive. Of course, it makes you feel vulnerable because you don't know if it's if anything that you're thinking is true or false. But that's the whole point of asking the question in the first place is to make yourself vulnerable. And when you've made yourself vulnerable and you know that you're vulnerable in a way that makes you invulnerable. Because you know you know you're vulnerable, so like, what do you have to be vulnerable about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a I like that because it's kind of a paradoxical, but it also makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It's a it's a lot of like or like circular logic, um, but at the same time, it 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 can really keep you keep you grounded in something that doesn't have a ground. Yeah, this topic's been pretty heavy, honestly. I mean, went from space mm-hmm. into uh, pretty, pretty deep stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's definitely an important topic. Um, I don't really talk about the fact that I, I have religious tendencies within myself very much because when most people hear religion, they get really turned off and they get really angry and they think that I'm stupid. And it's not about like organized religion and everybody praying together in a, in a, a fixed place at a certain time of day, because that's when a, a specific ent- being that's beyond my grasp is listening, but more about internal reflection, reflection on the world, how I affect the world, how I affect, affect others and what my effect is overall on everything that exists. And while it may be minimal, in my own personal scale, on a grand scale, if everybody thought in a similar manner, if everybody acted in a similar manner, it would have such a huge difference. So it's my responsibility to take that into consideration because 0.00001 magnified is worth so much. But what social or biological influences might be in play that would prevent someone else from thinking the very same way? Well, one of the ones he pointed out earlier was, say, uh, retardation, you know, cognitive, you know, inability, ineptness might prevent that because some reason, some kind of uh, cognitive faculty are needed to kind of, you know, discover what's right and wrong, discover or, you know, and I argue that that makes my influence so much more meaningful because I have the ability to reason. Therefore, it's my responsibility to use that because other people aren't going to. And you could you could say I need to offset those that aren't going to or will choose not to or or whatever. I mean, I see I think um, from my own personal view, I, I see the uh, metaphorical importance of the spirit um, and but uh, with all the knowledge and culture and 
biology, et cetera, in, in my mind, um, I don't, I don't see any need for the supposition of God. Um, but you know, the, the metaphorical spirit, I don't believe in this, you know, actual metaphysical, uh, spirit to exist, but you know, uh, there's no, no better way to represent uh, artistic side of myself. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very useful metaphor, how I, visualize the world and take in beauty, etc. God to me is, is the one. So we're all, everything's connected mm-hmm. all together. And that that's God. God isn't, isn't an entity in any sense. It's, it's the fact that everything exists. That's God. So why isn't that science? Right. You know, I, I've, um, the more science and math I've studied, the, the more connected I feel on that spiritual, you know, spiritual in quotes level, um, where, yeah, you know, we all come from the same stardust. We're all made up of the same molecules, more or less. There's like, that, there's no reason there's why like, there's no, like, um, th- that's such a physical connection. And, you know, the metaphorical comes easily. There's from that no reason me. why science and God can't be married like they used to be. Well, that's what I'm saying is that like, it's not, um, I don't, I don't see the need to, to distinguish like, uh, some sort of, uh, omnipotent force in that, in that, you know, it, it already is. Um, and there are, are tangible things to, to be secure in those feelings. Mm. So j- just to draw this to a point about, uh, cause this, this is a little complex of an argument here. Oh, definitely. I, I don't. I would not use the word argument, but go oh, on. Yeah, or or um, I, I would use conversation. Conversation, because Einstein was. I can't think of the word now, but he believed that the universe is God, and that's similar to what G is saying right now. Pantheism. Pantheism. Yeah. He was a pantheist, so he believed that the universe was God, and this was kind of a metaphorical position. But he also, you know, believed that there was something just crazy, awesome, amazing. Like he's quoted as saying. The most amazing thing is that the universe is comprehensible. Now, I think what Steve is saying is a bit more than pantheism. Is is that correct? It's not just that the universe is God, but there's something within the universe which is, say, good or bad. Of course. That's a a great question. Um, Yeah, I mean, I want to... I like to think that there is a, a force and there are obviously forces at play every single day. Is there an ultimate force one way or the other? Inconceivable. Um, I would say that that's not a part of my belief system, but that I am a force in myself and that I want to use that force in a way that's going to be other people will consider positive as much as I will something that's going to be better for for all things. Okay, and I think we're going to draw this podcast to a close, but just to make sure. So we were asking you questions there about your beliefs and all mm. stuff, but you didn't feel like we were being, say, forceful or kind of uh, dismissive at all, did you? No, and I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing about talking about, you know, your belief system is that 
like even though I've thought about my own beliefs to to such an extent like I was raised in a Christian household but and my my father's side was Christian we went to church Baptist and all of that and my mom's side she's Wiccan so like she's a witch so like they're the most like at like at odds <laughs> ideas altogether and like I like I asked my dad do you believe everything in the Bible and he's like yes I'm like, word for word, like, you believe he was swallowed by a whale, even though that's physically impossible? <laughs> He's like, if it's in the Bible, it's true. And I'm like, Mom, why do you believe in in, in in Wiccanism? Why do you believe in a god and a goddess and then an ultimate? And she's like, I, I don't know. It's just what I believe in. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't... Neither of you have good viewpoints. Neither of you have really thought about this. You just chose a word and said, that's what right. I am. It's comfortable, right? And, right. And to me, that I, I, my religion is being in an, it being in discomfort. Mm. That's the beauty of religion is you shouldn't be comfortable in your religion because if once you're comfortable, you've stopped asking questions. That's why I like it as a metaphor. Mm. You know, I, I never, you know, um, there's few assumptions I'll take. Mm. Um, but even then, you know, like the assumptions I do take are um, only the senses that I've been given um, mm. and thought isn't strictly a sense right so right so so having having questions thrown at me and and trying to dig into it is uh positive it, it's it's positive in like such a great way because i don't like i i have these beliefs but i don't have them fully fleshed out and having people to talk with and bounce the ideas off who actually listen and care is way way more like of an amazing positive thing than it could ever be negative yeah and i don't want to put words in your mouth but it sounds like you're you, you probably wouldn't call it religion because it's not like a practicing kind of thing but your your belief is focused primarily or not primarily but a lot in reason you know there's a lot of rationality to it because they're trying to understand the complexities and the ideas and everything to it avoiding dogma i i definitely call it religion but i don't call it religion the same way that most people call it religion where it's like a a, a format like a group of people i don't need other people to practice my religion do i think other, that getting groups of people together who all believe in the same force is positive can be positive or negative or cause that fourth force to multiply absolutely it's powerful it's it can be an amazing great thing but I don't need it in order to have my religion exist in my heart. 